the Smiley J Artist Zone, a platform for and about independent artists, music, interviews, and much, much more. Now, give it up, your host, Smiley J. Welcome to the Smiley J Artisan, a platform dedicated to independent music creators of the world. And I'm your show host, Smiley J, and I want to welcome each and every one of you to today's show. Yes, welcome, welcome. I am so glad that you guys are hanging out with me today. Now, if this is your first time, please be sure to come on back and, uh, you know what, tell a friend or two. Yes, please and thank you. Now, you know, I get really excited when I get my analytics and get my, uh, you know, new listeners. So I want to shout out all of my new listeners abroad in Austria, Sweden, and Germany. Yes. Thank you guys for listening. And I also have some new listeners in North America, Mexico to be exact. Hola, como esta? Just know that I appreciate each and every one of my listeners. Yes, I do. Thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, sharing is caring. So make sure you share and tell a friend. Now, for today's show, I thought that I would do something a little different for you guys. You guys know that I love and support independent artists, and I love, love, love live music. So today, I thought that I, you know, I reach out to to those supporters who support independent artists, but also provides a platform for artists. Yes, that's what we need. I am super excited to welcome today's guest. He is the founder and visionary music aficionado who uses music as a tool for positive change in the community. I need you guys to help me welcome today's guest, board president of the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival, Mr. Kevin C. Alexander. Hey, welcome to the Smiley J Artisan. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well, Smiley J. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing well, too. You know, I want to welcome you again to the show, and I also want to congratulate you on your 12th annual Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, we've had a, a blast over the last 12 years, and this year was a was another great success right here in Prince George's County. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Now, here on the uh, show, I typically interview independent music creators, but I thought it would be really cool to feature folks like yourself who not only support music creators, but you have an annual festival where you feature a lot of independent artists, international artists. And uh, this year was my first year. And of course, I was there with the artist Karen Lynette who did her thing. Right, right, (laughs) right. She got amazing. She had amazing set. I saw half of her set. But uh, I I heard all of her set from afar, but amazing talent, Carolyn. Yes, and, and, you know, everyone, you know, all the lineup, very talented. I mean, you guys, you know, I'm excited. I'm like, I've been missing out. This was my first year, so you know I definitely will be back next year. Wow, this is your first year. My first year, yes. I'm I'm ashamed to say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're not the only uh, person that has said that. Uh, a lot of people in the summer, either there's a conflict with family commitments or or different traveling engagements, so they miss out on the festival. But, you know, we try to string it out so that, so that you know, most people in the area, certainly in the DMV and around, can check us out. Mm-hmm, absolutely. 
So um, I want to talk about uh, folks like yourself who who are using a platform to support music. So when did you decide that you wanted to organize a festival? And uh, and tell us about your your vision. Yeah, so I'm a music lover, a jazz lover in particular, but but I love music. You know, I went to school in uh, college in Nashville, Tennessee. You know, that's the music capital. Music town, yes. <laughs> right. So I went to Fisk University, and music was everywhere. Um, my roommate at the time was a disc jockey for a Fisk University's radio station. It was a jazz station, WFSK. And that was pretty much my first entree into really uh, seeing how the platform could work to bring people together. And uh, later on, a couple of years later, I went to my first jazz festival up in Newport, Rhode Island. The Newport, uh, Rhode Island a Jazz Festival, one mm-hmm. of the big festivals in the world. Uh, that was in the, in the mid-'80s. You know, and then from that point on, you know, I just took the opportunity to uh, go to jazz festivals, concerts, and over the years, working in the community in Prince George's County, that gave me an opportunity to bring people together in the mid-90s, going into uh, 2000, when I had the vision to start the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. And it actually came to me after I left the Jazz Festival in in San Jose. I went out there to see a jazz festival. And on the way back, uh, I liked what they did so much it was a combination of bringing local talent and it was supported by the community. Uh, mm-hmm. So on the way on the way back, on the red eye, on the way back, I pretty much put together a, a plan, the vision, and I presented it to first some of my close friends. And then ultimately I presented to a couple of people in the county in leadership positions that would be able to support the vision. And they did that, mainly uh, the Parks and Recreation Department, Maryland National Capital Park and Planning Commission, Uh, They were our first major partner and they supported the vision and they continue to support it to this day. So that pretty much birthed Lake Arbor Jazz. And that was in 2010. That was the first annual in 2010. Wow. Wow. And 12 years later, you're still here standing tall. I love it. Yes, yes, yes. You know, a little bit of ups and downs. Obviously, uh, COVID had an impact on what we did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, funding also, sponsorship has an impact on what we do. But through it all, we've been able to string together 12 years of successful festivals right here. Wonderful. Now, now, like, what are some of the essential steps to planning a festival? The whole operations and all that. I, I imagine permits and all that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what you really need to start out with first and foremost is a is a team. Um, if you have dedicated um, members on, on your team, whether they are paid or whether or not they are volunteers, and our our organization is a nonprofit, so the company, the entity that really produces the festival is called the Prince George's Cultural Arts Foundation, which is a nonprofit that I started to support the jazz festival. And so we start out with core members of the team that are tasked with making sure that the festival goes off without a hitch. Uh, without a team, it's it's really impossible to really put together something as, as, as large as this is. And then, of course, volunteers to help us manage and oversee the festival. So I, I would I would tell anyone to start out with with people that you trust, that you know, that can do the job, that are professionals and that are dedicated 
Um, so, you know, that's the first thing. And then, like you said, the whole permitting process is is a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because when you're dealing with uh, major, major uh, artists that have requirements such as staging and lighting uh, and you have vendors, you have tenting that goes on, you know, those those requirements, they require oversight from the county. And the county is not going to let you do anything like that as large as that without having the proper permitting, mm-hmm. just in case something goes wrong. Because if something goes wrong and you don't have those those permits in place, then really you could put a lot of people at at risk and in yeah, danger. Liability, yeah. Liability, yeah. So we 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 make sure that we talk to the appropriate personnel to make sure that our insurances are in place. Uh, all of our site planning is in place. You know, you have to have portable bathrooms in place. You have to have uh, uh, EMTs in place, ambulance services in place, just in case. Now, luckily for us, and thankfully, we have not had a major incident uh, over the past 12 years. So, you know, we've been blessed in that although we have everything in place, like I said, the EMTs and the bathrooms and and the ambulance services, we have not had to use them. And then also, most importantly, security. We have not had to use any of those services that were required of us to put the festival on. And uh, we want to continue that. That's wonderful. Amen to that. That's wonderful. So uh, speaking of team, you mentioned a team. Can I just say uh, that your volunteers and your committee members, very polite, very organized, very professional. So shout out to all of your, uh, all the Lake Arbor volunteers and committee members. I got a chance to, uh, you know, to, to experience it firsthand. So I can say from experience that they were very experienced, very knowledgeable, polite, you know, all, all that good stuff. That's good. That's good. And it's good to hear you say that because, you know, a lot of times it, it can be a thankless job because, you know, the volunteers, we do so much in the community team. We do so much to make sure that everyone has a pleasurable experience. And so when people leave, we want them smiling and say exactly what you said, that, hey, everybody was polite, you know, professional, and and that's I think what gets people coming back year after year. They come to an event where they're not uh, made to feel warm, and it's not a friendly experience. Then they won't come back, and we don't want that. We want them to come back year after year after year. Yeah, and and let me just say the artist green room. Mm, yes, like a five star restaurant in here. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, shout out to shout out to Nadine Sid. Nadine. Yes. One of yep. our. Uh, our original uh, team members, uh, she makes sure that the green room is is set up such that it is very, very comfortable for our artists. She makes sure that the food and the meal service is on point. She makes sure that the artists get exactly what they need so that they feel, they don't feel any stress when it's time for them to take the stage. That's right. And very hospitable. And Nadine is on it. <laughs> She's definitely right. on it. And, you know, I want to shout out uh, another committee member because, you know, is a fellow classmate, uh, Mr. Uh, Benson Phillips. Okay. Yeah. Fellow Balloon Night. Yes, it's good to see some familiar faces. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, Benson is our... Uh, a merch manager. He's in charge of our merchandise, selling all of Lake Arbor Jazz uh, T-shirts and product, as well as assisting the artists with selling their merchandise. 
So when, you know, when the artist comes, they don't necessarily have to bring someone to oversee the selling of their merchandise. We do that for them. And Vince, he does that for them. So that's great. Nice. Nice. Now, Kevin, do you plan to like branch out in other uh, counties, Maryland counties, or, or maybe even uh, a cruise? You know what? We get that every year, every year, you know, we ask people, what do you want to see from Lake Arbor jazz next year or the next couple of years? And, um, we have given serious consideration to expanding. Certainly right now we're in the, in the, uh, uh, Prince George's area, but you know, folks ask us, how about expanding beyond Prince George's County or the DMV? Um, we've, we've done some, some shows in the past. We've done shows at Bethesda Jazz and Blues, which, which was highly successful. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, you know, last year because of COVID, we were down at National Harbor, which was again a concert series that was extremely successful the entire month of July. We did that. And so right now we're going back to the the planning uh, and we're looking at what we can do for the upcoming year, 2023 and beyond. So I would say, stay tuned. Everything, everything is on the table. Nothing's off the table. Uh, We just, like I said before, what's what's important is to make sure that we have the personnel, the team, the volunteers, and then I, I have to say this most importantly also is the sponsorship and finances. We, you know, we don't, If we don't have the funding to do what we want to do, it's not going to happen. So those are the key factors. But I would say stay tuned. Uh, You'll be surprised what we're going to do in in the future. All right, right. But you know what? I want to shout out all the sponsors that support the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had some amazing sponsors over the year. I mentioned earlier that Maryland National Capital Park and Planning Commission, they were our first, we call them a partner because mm-hmm. they bring so much, so much and resources to the table. But uh, also Xfinity, they've been a, a tremendous partner over the years. Uh, Wellspring Manor and Spa. Wellspring Manor and Spa has been a partner as well as a sponsor, uh, which is a luxury bed and breakfast, uh, bed and breakfast in, in Prince George's County. Uh, also, the the Prince George's Arts and Humanities Council, Wegmans has been a sponsor, Experience Prince George's, the Lake Arbor Foundation also has been a, a sponsor. And then this year, we also had the support of Prince George's Community College, uh, the Performing Arts Center. Two of our shows for the festival was actually housed at the Prince George's County Center for Performing Arts, which was amazing show. One show featured Jonathan Butler and Ann Nesby, and the other show on Friday, which was our Summer White Affair, featured uh, Gerald Albright and Chelsea Green in the Green Project. So we're really happy for all of our sponsors that have supported us over the years. And and those were sold out concerts because I tried to get my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure. So to, <laughs> yeah. So to all my listeners, if you are a newbie, make sure that you secure your ticket early because they do sell out fast. Right. Absolutely. So we we're pleased that uh that you know we've we've had a good run for twelve years. Um, I certainly want to acknowledge and and recognize the team members. I mentioned the sponsors, but I do want to recognize the team members like myself. Obviously, I'm the board president of the foundation and executive producer of the festival. My wife, who has been there with me from day one, Lisa Alexander, she's our board secretary mm-hmm. and, su- and supervising uh, producer. And then our treasurer, Don Cowan, he oversees the beer and wine tent. But from there, Nadine said, we mentioned earlier, 
for the artist's green room and, and transportation and hotel. Uh, also, Charles Drain, he oversees uh, the, the stage and all the production. Uh, Eric Lilly helps us with the media, parking and security. Uh, Nikki Hazelwood, we have generally anywhere between 20 and 40 vendors every year. So Nikki oversees the vendor experience. You mentioned Vincent Phillips. He oversees the merchandise. Uh, also, Sean Drain, she handles the uh, the volunteers. So we have generally about 100 volunteers, and wow. that is coordinated. Then Sean does a great job with that. And then uh, Jerome Parker, he oversees our site and our field operations. So you can imagine having to move tents and, as I mentioned, porta johns and staging and making sure that the field operation is on point when we come to the field. That was Jerome. And so um, the team members, very important in making this a, a pleasurable experience for everybody. Wow, a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot to go on behind the scenes, as you can, as you guys can hear. So, um, absolutely, absolutely. So, one no. question I want to ask is that: How do you determine, or who determines your your lineup, your artist lineup? Like, is there a committee that you know? Do you guys determine, um, you know, who you're going to select for the festival, or is it uh, a deadline that the artist must submit their their package? So over the years, um, I get feedback from everybody on the team. Uh, and then myself and another gentleman who handles the stage, his name is Charles Drain. He and I would field all of the requests that comes in. Most of the requests comes to me uh, either through info at lakearborjazz.com or through Facebook, or we'll just send out a plug to, you know, send us uh, a, a, a quick note on who you would like to see in the festival. But for the, for the most part, you know, I'm in charge of the talent acquisition and I work closely with Charles Drain, my production manager, who kind of gives me an idea of, of how we round out the field. As the festival has grown, we've had more slots or more opportunities for artists to uh, actually play on the stage. One of the things that we have not Stay, uh, straight away from over the years is supporting local or maybe not so local independent artists. So we always maintain a presence on the stage for local or youth or and or independent artists, but we've created also a lane for national recording artists as well. Uh, so that kind of gives us a, an idea of how we want to present the next year's festival. Uh, and it's in terms of deadline, you know, the festival was just over in, in July and I, I take a break. My team takes a break and we come back at it around October-ish and try mm -hmm. to field as many artists requests as we can and lock in, in those artists line up uh, around December, the end of the year, December 31st. By the 31st of the year, we pretty much have a great idea of who we're going to present for the next year. Nice, nice. Now, I got to ask about the listening room. Can you sure. tell us a little bit about the listening room and what's that all about? Oh, absolutely. The listening room was my baby. Um, before COVID, I had the, uh, the vision of presenting small, intimate concerts, uh, not like a large festival where you have thousands of people. But a lot of times people want an intimate experience 
like a blues alley experience, no more than 100, 150 people. Uh, and so we began to look at uh, creating a small, intimate listening room jazz experience. What happened was, and this was going to be an in-person type of activity, but what happened was COVID put an end to that. So mm-hmm. what we did was we wanted we did the same thing. The concept was the same, but we had to shift from it being uh, live to in-person. So we created three or four episodes and produced it in studio. Instead of having a live performance, we created it and we, we wanted to make sure that we, we did a high-end performance in the studio. So the first one was a poetry, a spoken word called Mad Jazz Poetry presented by Lake Arbor Jazz. And that was a phenomenal, phenomenal production where we reached out to local poets and we put the poets in front of a live band, live jazz band. Uh, and then we came back with another production that was homage to your jazz greats of the past. And we, we reached out to local artists and national artists to put their spin on some uh, real uh, quality jazz standards of the past. And so we had Willie Bradley. We also had uh, Freddie Dunn, who was a trumpeter. We had Art Sherrod Jr. We had Alex Bunyong. We had um, We had a host of national and local artists that came to together at a studio and did some amazing jazz standards, but with their smooth jazz spin on it. Yeah. Those those episodes can be seen on our website, lakearborjazz.com. So if you go to lakearborjazz.com and look at, for the listening room tab, you can see the productions of those three episodes. Nice, nice. And actually, um, Mr. Bradley uh, was one of my first guests. Super nice guy. And he is really doing his thing. He's always on a, always on the charts. <laughs> so oh, yeah. make sure oh, you yeah. guys check it out. Check out the yeah. listening room. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's we're gonna we're gonna um, we're gonna do it again. We just had to uh, pause as people return back to in person uh, live events. We still want to present the listening room as an in-person experience, we may still keep the virtual experience, but we definitely want to move forward and, and, and do the listening room as a live experience. And then I, I, I do want to shout out also uh, one of my big brothers in the music industry who was a part of the listening room experience, Gerald Veasley, national mm-hmm. and internationally mm-hmm. known bass player out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Gerald Veasley was also on that as well. Now, Kevin, you know, this platform is all about music. Sure, sure. <laughs> now, I can't bring you on here and not ask you, like, who are some of your personal artists that you listen to when you're not right? planning for the Lake Arbor Jazz Fest? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I know well, it's a lot, but just tell me who are some of your favorite. <laughs> no, that's a lot. Uh, well, let me let me go back to um, I love and, and, and I always get criticized. My team always criticizes me for overloading the festival lineup with sax players, right? Okay. And I don't apologize for that. I love the saxophone as an instrument. And it just so happens that there are just so many great uh, sax players out there that, you know, it's just like a lead instrument in the band. You know, you have your lead vocals, you have your lead uh, saxophone players. And so I've always gravitated to those who played the saxophone going back to um, Grover Washington, right? Mm-hmm. 
on to uh, George Howard. Of course, I love uh, Gerald Albright and Walter Beasley and Kirk Whalum. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm listening to the sax players. Okay, okay. So we gonna get. I got you, and it's nothing wrong. But you like what you like, and it's all like right. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I, I like vocals too. You know, like I, I love Kim, right? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, you know, when I was coming up, I loved Luther Vandross. You know, and so um, I love the male vocal, and I love the sax players, and so that's pretty much what, what I like. Um, I also was a, a big George Duke fan. Love George Duke growing up, um, coming through. So, so Fair I'm Duke, a, yes, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty versatile. I don't play an instrument, so people ask me all the time. You know, you you don't play an instrument, so how did you get into this? Uh, but you don't play an instrument. I just like bringing people who play instruments together. And we're so glad that you like that because mm-hmm. if not, we wouldn't have the annual Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, That's right. So, Kevin, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat it up with me today. And I'm looking forward to the 2023 Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. So I know that you said you guys, uh, you know, you're taking a break. But, yes. um, you know, I thought maybe I can get a little hint of any, uh, if you could drop a name or anybody for the 2023 that you anticipate on, on getting Smiley. on the... <laughs> Molly J. I, I got to try it. Yes, sir. Try. Well, let me put it to you this way. We are looking at bringing back some uh, artists that played the festival in the past. I'll okay. Get, I'll just drop that on you without giving names. Cool. You know, we'll, we'll, we always like to to uh, bring some. We try to make it a diverse experience so that you get a chance to see a lot of different artists over the over the course of a few years. But but sometimes we get requests to bring back uh, an artist that that did very well. And uh, I will leave you with that. We're looking at bringing some folks back. Okay. Well, you know, I had to try it. So, <laughs> so thank you so much, Kevin, for taking time out your busy schedule to chat it up with me. And you know what? I think I'm going to put on some uh, some sax for you. I'm not sure which one, but I'm, I'm going to throw on some sax for you. Throw some sax on for me. You take it, take it. it home with some sax. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me on. I like what you're doing. I love the energy that you bring to the platform. Keep doing what you do. And you keep doing what you're doing, brother. All right now. Until next time, be well. Take care. As promised, let me get something on saxy for Mr. Alexandra. He says that he likes the saxophone, so I got you covered. Yes. So I thought that I would feature the music of former guest, Mr. Kenny Nightingale, who, by the way, who was just here uh, last month. Super, super nice guy. Now, I did not feature this song, but it is one of my favorite songs, and it's doing very well on, on the smooth jazz charts, and it is entitled My Saxophone. How appropriate is that? I just want
This is producer, songwriter, and artist Terrence Thompson, and you're in the Smiley J Artist Zone. All right, all right, it's that time. But I want to again thank today's guest, Mr. Kevin Alexander, for stopping by and hanging out with me in the Artist Zone, and for also sharing to what was once his vision to what is now. He's now entering to the 13th year of hosting the annual Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. And also, I want to shout out the Prince George's County Cultural Arts Foundation for their support and partnership with the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival. You know, promoting, you know, music and and fine arts and entertainment as well as other activities. And of course, I want to thank the board of directors, all of the uh, host committees and volunteers and supporters and sponsors. And if I didn't mention you, just know that you are indeed appreciated. Also, to all the residents of Prince George's County, Maryland, be sure to check out the PG Cultural Arts Scholarships Award, which is designed for our graduating high school seniors who are pursuing a degree in music. Yes, in any of the arts, music, dance, theater, visual arts. Be sure to check out the Lake Arbor Jazz Festival website for more information on how to apply. And of course, you want to meet that deadline. Now, I have to, I have to absolutely shout out all of you, all of you folks out there who support live music and independent artists. None of this, I mean, none of this is possible without you. So keep supporting, guys. Until next time, I'm going to need you guys to be well, stay safe, and remember to listen to good music. Your ears will thank you for it. I'm Smiley J, and I'm out. <laughs>